What's up, everybody? JT Sports here, back at you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to use Travis Etienne. Could Penn State football potentially win the Big Ten this season? I'm going to be giving you guys my top five passing offenses in the NFL for the 2022 season. And can the Cleveland Browns make it to the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback if Deshaun Watson potentially gets suspended for the whole entire season? If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. My Instagram is at JT Sports underscore. And you can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Now, if you are somebody who is really into fantasy football or you cover it for a living, this is the time of the offseason where you start to see a lot of these fantasy football people release their positional rankings, top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, receiver, etc., etc., and they also give you a list of players to target in the later rounds of the draft who potentially could be breakout studs or potential sleepers. And Travis Etienne has been on a lot of these breakout slash sleeper lists in fantasy football, so... This kind of motivated me to make this segment because a lot of people in the fantasy football world, they look at things from just a fantasy football standpoint, and they don't really understand what role that player is going to have in a particular offense. So I kind of wanted to give some of you fantasy football guys watching this a little bit of insight into how Jacksonville could be using Travis Etienne this season. And also, if you're a Jaguar fan, you're trying to figure out what's up with all the Travis Etienne hype, or even if you're not a Jaguar fan, and you're just interested in figuring out what Travis Etienne is going to be this season. I'm glad that you're tuning in to this segment. So for Travis Etienne, we already know that he was drafted in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Clemson along with his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who also was his quarterback at Clemson. And during his time for the Tigers, he was probably the most explosive back in all of college football. He has great speed, great contact balance. He has a good blend of finesse and power. But something that was really underrated in his game was how good he was in the passing game. And a lot of people overlook what he did in the receiving game for Clemson over his career. He caught 102 career receptions and had over 1,000 total receiving yards during his time under Dabo Sweeney with the Tigers. Now, he didn't play last season. He only played in the preseason. He got injured before the regular season started, so we didn't really get to see what Urban Meyer had planned for him. But during the course of training camp, mini camp and whatnot in 2021, there were a lot of reports about the Jaguars trying to use him all over the field. He was lining up in the slot. He also potentially could have been used as a returner on kickoffs or punts. So going into 2022, under Doug Peterson, some people are wondering if the same thing is still going to be in the place to happen, and I think it definitely will. Doug Peterson is no stranger to having running backs of this skill set on his team. I don't know if a lot of you guys remember the Eagles Super Bowl run when they defeated the New England Patriots, but he had a running back on that team named Corey Clement. 
Now, Corey Clement, he didn't have an extremely big role, but he had a small impact on that offense during that Super Bowl run for Philadelphia. He also caught a touchdown in that Super Bowl win against New England as well. So for Travis Etienne, you're going to be seeing him lined up in the slot. And with him being inserted into the slot, that's probably going to bounce Christian Kirk outside as well. He's probably going to line up on the opposite side of Marvin Jones. And by lining him up in the slot, it brings a different dimension to the offense because he probably is going to be a mismatch for the majority of linebackers who are going to try to cover him because I don't think there's too many linebackers in the NFL that are great in man-to-man coverage. So for him lining up in the slot, if he gets matched up against a linebacker, that's a winnable matchup because he is most likely going to be able to win that due to his route running, his hands, and plus his speed. And even if you line him up against a defensive back, if you get him out in the open field, one-on-one against a cornerback or a safety, you like his chances because we already know how great he is with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a running back playing wide receiver. So, of course, he's going to be really good when it comes to making things happen after the catch. And then on top of that, we also have to talk about what he's going to do in the run game department for the Jaguars. Because the run game last year wasn't really all that great. And it was mainly because Urban Meyer just refused to utilize James Robinson for some strange reason. So... With James Robinson's injury status kind of being up in the air, we don't know when he's going to be able to return fully healthy. The timetable for his return from injury is all over the place. Some people expect him to be back during some point during training camp. Some people don't think he's going to be able to play until some point early into the regular season. So if James Robinson isn't ready to go week one for Jacksonville, we're most likely are going to see Travis Etienne to get the bulk load of the carries and Raquel Armstead maybe end up being the second running back behind him. So if you're thinking about a group of running backs who have a similar skill set to Travis Etienne, think of Austin Eckler with the LA Chargers, Alvin Kamara with the New Orleans Saints, Travis Etienne fits that build, but he's better from a talent standpoint than those guys he may not be as polished as a receiver as Alvin Kamara is but he definitely is developing that side of his game however he's faster than Alvin Kamara and he also has really good size this is not a small back I mean he's 5'10 215 pounds so he's pretty physical and during minicamp and OTAs a lot of people have been coming up to him and asking hey how the Jaguars going to use you this year and he pretty much has said that his goal is that he hopes that he can be used in the same way that the 49ers use Debo Samuel now a lot of people may be a little bit turned off by that because you currently see the situation that Debo is in right now San Francisco he wants to get traded because he doesn't want to be used as a running back anymore he just primarily wants to be used as a receiver and they actually have a defined term for these kind of players who play wide receiver and running back they call them a wide back so for Travis Etienne The difference between him and Debo Samuel is going to be that Travis Etienne is a running back that's going to be lining up at wide receiver, not a wide receiver lining up at running back. So he's going to be able to handle some of that contact as that comes with being a running back in the NFL. And also he's going to be really good on the outside as a receiver inside of the slot. So one thing that really stands out 
about Travis Etienne is that he has phenomenal contact balance. And it's easy to think of somebody who just has great speed, as somebody who's just a finesse player, but he's also really powerful. So for Jacksonville, if they plan on implementing outside zone concepts into the run game, or if they want to run a lot of power and run him up the middle, he's capable of being able to handle that kind of workload and being in that kind of offense. So I don't really think there's too much that Travis Etienne cannot do. We obviously know that he's going to be their full-time three-down back, even when James Robinson comes back fully healthy we're probably still going to see Travis Etienne being on the field more than James Robinson when it comes to the snap count and James Robinson I think is a pretty underrated pass catcher in his own right but he doesn't kind of have the explosiveness that Travis Etienne has and that's something that Jacksonville was really lacking on the offensive side of the football last year they didn't really have too many explosive playmakers I mean you had Marvin Jones And that was pretty much about it. Now, James Robinson is a playmaker, but I wouldn't count him as explosive. I just think that he's just really good. He's a tough runner in between the tackles. I wouldn't count him as explosive. So you bring in Christian Kirk. You bring somebody else who does bring a little bit of explosiveness there. You also have Evan Ingram. But the best playmaker on the offense right now probably has to be Travis Etienne. So for Jacksonville, regardless of when James Robinson comes back if you are somebody who is watching this because you're interested in seeing his value when it comes to a fantasy football standpoint don't let the committee turn you off because he's still going to get more snaps and he's still going to be on the field way more than James Robinson simply for the fact that he's going to be utilized in a way different capacity and on top of that When it comes to a PPR standpoint, he's going to be a monster. If Jacksonville can actually find a way to get him the ball, which I'm speculating that they're probably going to be utilizing him a lot on short intermediate routes. So we're probably probably going to be seeing him run a lot of slants, drags, probably some bubble screens on the outside. Just trying to utilize his quickness and get him out into the open field as fast as possible. Because once you have somebody of this size and this speed coming at you as a cornerback and a defensive back, you're going to have a pretty difficult time tackling him. We already know that a lot of these cornerbacks and a lot of these safeties entering the league now aren't really great tacklers. They kind of pick and choose when they want to get involved and trying to bring somebody down. So from a fantasy football standpoint, I don't really know what his ADP is at the moment, but I think a fair value for him probably would be around round four, round five. Some people may end up taking him a lot earlier than that. But if you can get him in round four, that's definitely a big bargain because you have somebody that, like I mentioned, is still going to get more snaps than James Robinson. You have somebody that's going to bring you a lot. So think of Alvin Kamara, but somebody who possibly could be better in a sense when it comes to durability, being able to stay on the field. And plus, you can also use him in short yardage situations if Jacksonville feels comfortable enough doing that with them. So that's my thoughts on how the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially will use Travis Etienne this season. Let me know some other additional thoughts that you guys have on Etienne going into the 2022 NFL season down in the comment section down below. Now, let me ask you guys a question real quick. When you think of the Big Ten Conference in football, who are the first couple of teams that pops up in your head? Is it Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin? It's probably one of those couple of teams. Now, where do you think of Penn State in that discussion? 
Me personally, I think that Penn State is one of those programs that kind of gets overlooked because they're in a really tough conference. And on top of that, even though they're not a bad program, they actually are pretty good. They do have their down years, but they also have their good years as well. And it's kind of as if over the last couple of seasons, it's like Penn State, they're just there. You feel me? And for Michigan, I kind of feel that was a similar situation for them. They were just there until recently last year where they broke through, won the Big Ten championship game, and then appeared in the college football playoffs for the first time ever. So for Penn State, could this be the year that they finally break through? Because... I think that they have a pretty manageable schedule, and I definitely love the talent that they have on the offensive side of the football. Now, you have Sean Clifford coming back for his 100th year in college football. I don't know when this dude is going to graduate and leave, but he's back again. And really, for Penn State last season, they got out to a really good start, and then all of a sudden... They go to play Iowa, Sean Clifford gets injured, he gets banked up, and then their season just went off the rails from there. But if Sean Clifford would have stayed healthy for the whole entire season, Penn State probably could have been in that same conversation for the Big Ten title. Now, if you're looking at some of the improvements that they have to make on the offensive side of the football, they definitely have to find a way to get that running game going. Now, last season, they had Kevon Lee, who was their leading rusher last season. And then you bring in talented, true freshman running back Nick Singleton. Now, Nick Singleton was the Gatorade Player of the Year in high school last year. He was a five-star recruit coming out of the 2022 class. And a lot of Penn State fans are really excited about Nick Singleton. As a matter of fact, there has been a lot of Penn State Nifty Lions fans saying that he could be the next Saquon Barkley. And I understand why many people are making this comparison. He has great size. He's six foot, 210 pounds. So, of course, he has room to grow. But this man is a freakish athlete. And he has quick twitch. And I don't think a lot of people understand what it means when somebody has quick twitch. Quick twitch means that you don't think when you make a move. Your body just does it instantly. You just react naturally it's kind of like uh, what do they call it muscle memory in a sense it's really weird when you have quick twitch you just don't think anymore it's like you're reacting I don't know if there's any Dragon Ball Z fans watching this video but if you watch Dragon Ball Z you know Ultra Instinct that's pretty much what quick twitch is it's just in a real life human form in a sense that's what quick twitch is so he's an incredible athlete and I think that he's probably going to end up being the RB1. Now, he may not start out as the RB1 right away, but I do expect him to end up getting more carries than Lee at some point during this season because I like Lee a lot, but I don't really think that he has that breakaway speed that Nick Singleton has. And I just think that overall, Nick Singleton is the better running back. But we still have to see the games being played on the field. At wide receiver, you did lose Jahan Dotson, but you still do return a pretty good group of wide receivers. You got Parker Washington, who was second on the team in yards, receptions, and touchdowns behind Dotson. You have Mitchell Tinsley, who is a transfer from Western Kentucky. This dude is a baller. He caught 87 receptions last year for 
1,402 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, and average 6.1 yards per reception. And some people have already said that he's really similar to Jahan Dotson. Probably not in build because he's a lot bigger than him. He is 6'1", 205, but he's really smooth and fluid getting in and out of his breaks when it comes to his route running. There's no wasting motion with this kid. So Tinsley definitely is going to be one of the bigger names to look out for if you are a Nifty Lions fan. Then you have a really good group of tight ends. As a matter of fact, Many Penn State coaches have said that this is the most talented tight end group that they have ever had during their time coaching the Nifty Lions. So offensively, they should be pretty good. Now their offense was hit or miss last season, especially when Sean Clifford went down. So as long as Sean Clifford can stay healthy, they should be pretty solid on offense. And that red zone offense should be able to improve as long as you can get that run game going because A big reason why most teams struggle in the red zone is because they can't run the football. Because when you get inside of the red zone, things get condensed. You're inside the 20. You don't really have a lot of room to throw the football. So your playbook, if you're a play caller, it gets condensed. And then that's where you really have to start making your presence felt up front. And that goes to my next point. How good is this offensive line going to be? Now, the offensive line was pretty okay in pass protection, but when it came to run blocking, it was kind of dicey. So the offensive line should be pretty solid this year. Not really concerned about it. On the defensive end of things, your defense was really good last year. You were six in points per game allowed. You were really good when it came to not giving up a lot of yards. However, the run defense could be better. You were 70th ranked in college football last year and also you need to find ways to get more pressure on the quarterback so their defensive line and the linebacker position probably are the biggest areas of concern at defensive line however you do have pj mustafa there and i think that you do have a pretty good group up front However, when it comes to linebacker, the biggest thing that I've been seeing Nifty Lions fans complain about is the fact that they don't have a lot of depth at the linebacker position. So you might have some young guys who may have to come in if injuries do occur. But you do have Curtis Jacobs. But outside of him, things get kind of a little bit questionable there. Now, the strength of this defense most definitely is the secondary. The secondary was a large reason why this defense was as good as what it was last year. You have Brown returning at safety, one of the better safeties in the Big Ten. You have Joey Porter Jr., who potentially could be a really early draft selection in the 2023 NFL Draft next season. He's one of the best cornerbacks in college football. You also have Kalen King, who could be in for a breakout season. Daquan Hardy is a really good cornerback in the slot. And for Penn State, defensively, they throw a lot of things at you. They have a lot of hybrid fronts. And I believe Joe Clapp talked about this some point last season. I don't know if it was on the Herd or if it was at some point during one of the Penn State games that were being broadcasted on Fox. But for Penn State, this is a defense that throws a lot at you. And if they're going to have a shot at being able to win the Big Ten, this defense is going to be a big part of it. Because if you're going to be able to slow down Ohio State, 
Jason Smith and the Jigba, CJ Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr. and those boys, this secondary is going to have to come to play. So you should be feeling really good about how your defense matches up against some of the better offenses in this con- in this conference. Even if you don't have a great pass rush, as long as your secondary can guard and blanket these wide receivers for at least a good amount of time that's going to give the pass rush a little bit more time to hit home now they did hit the transfer portal a little bit they do have a couple of guys coming in who they are expecting to have a pretty significant impact when it comes to this pass rush now overall when you're analyzing Penn State's schedule I don't see no reason why the floor shouldn't be eight wins You start out against Purdue, you got to play the Bobcats, you got Auburn on the road there, then you play Central Michigan and Northwestern. So I think that there is definitely a realistic possibility that they end up going 5-0 into their bye week before they have to face Michigan on the road in Ann Arbor. Now, these aren't guaranteed victories. You know, Purdue is a team that could go either way. We never really know where they're going to be, but... I think that that should be a game that they should be favored to win. And I think they should be able to win that one. It is a Thursday game. It's going to be opening week for Penn State. So anytime you're playing a team like Purdue opening week, there's always a high chance of upsets happening because you're trying to get back into the floor of things. You haven't played football in, what, seven, eight months at this point, And the only people you've been practicing against are yourself. So... Hopefully, they can win that game against Purdue. It's on the road. I do think they should be able to pull that one off. I'm not going to say it's a guaranteed, but they should be able to win that one. You got Ohio. That's the win. You got Auburn. Auburn, I think, is going to be a lot better than what people expect. I definitely think that they're going to give Penn State a legitimate fight, but I think that they should be able to win that one in a tightly contested one, contested game. Then you play Central Michigan, Northwestern. I'm not going to overlook Northwestern because... Northwestern always has those years that they end up peaking. It takes them a while. We always say that Auburn um, always has years when they're not great. When people expect them not to be good, they end up being good. And then when you look at Northwestern, you know, we talk about Alabama and Georgia, how they don't rebuild, they just reload. Well, Northwestern reloads for a while, And then every once in a while, they end up coming out of nowhere, competing for the Big Ten. So maybe this could be that year. But hopefully, best case scenario, if you're a Penn State fan, you're walking into Michigan 5-0. And then at this point, this is where you get into the meat and potatoes of your schedule. You got to play Minnesota after you play Michigan. Minnesota, I don't really know what to think about them. I don't really think they're going to be all that great. Then you got to play Ohio State, but you do play them at home, which is a vantage in your favor. You got Indiana. I think that Tom Allen is going to have those guys fighting hard this year. I don't think they're going to be an easy out, but you should be able to win that one. You got Maryland. Maryland could be a tricky team this year. I'm kind of a little bit high on Maryland. But then after that, you got Rutgers, and then you end the season all playing Michigan State. So I definitely think that the floor is eight wins. Now, the ceiling could be 11. You could end up being an 11-win team, shocking the world, but I'm probably going to have to go with 10 wins. I think 10 wins is going to be my prediction for Penn State. 
I think that this is a team that does have some concerns when it comes to their defensive line. And even though they do have a really good secondary, when you're playing a team like Ohio State, sometimes you're going to have to make sure that you're able to hit home because Ohio State has a really good offensive line. Same thing with Michigan. So sometimes that secondary isn't going to be enough and you're really going to need that pass rush to hit. So for me, I think 10 wins is going to be my record prediction for Penn State this season. I do think that they could end up possibly competing for the Big Ten, but I just think with Ohio State and Michigan being so good this year, I just think that it may take another year or two before we see Penn State actually competing head-to-head for that Big Ten title. But let me know how you guys are feeling about the nifty Lions going into the 2022 college football season down in the comment section down below. All right, so I want to give you guys my top five passing offenses in the NFL going into the 2022 season. Now, I already saw a couple of these on Instagram and Twitter. And let me just say, I didn't like what I saw. Now, this is going to be in order, so it's going to be from number five to number one. These are going to be ranked accordingly, so if you want to disagree with the rankings, you have every right to call me an idiot down in the comment section down below. But at number five, I'm going to start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense has always been amongst the top in the NFL over the last couple of years and passing attempts per game. However, I think this season, there's going to be a little bit more predication on getting the run game more involved in the offense. And I'm not saying that Tampa Bay doesn't try to run the football at all. I'm just saying that I think they're going to end up running the football a little bit more than what they have done in the past. With Bruce Arians stepping down, taking a front office role, I still think that this offense is still going to be fairly aggressive, but I think Bruce Arians was a little bit more pass heavy. So I think with him being a little bit out of the mix now when it comes to the coaching staff, I think that we could see the possibility that Brian Leftwich puts a little bit more emphasis on running the football with Leonard Fournette. Then you still have a great group of wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You just signed slot receiver Russell Gage during the course of free agency, which I didn't even know until I was researching this because Russell Gage is probably one of the more underrated slot receivers that we have in the NFL. And I think that he's an upgrade from what they had at the slot receiver in the past. Scotty Miller wasn't bad, but I kind of think that he benefited from playing with Tom Brady. So you have Russell Gage there. You still have Scotty and you have Tyler Johnson. Now, you look at the tight end position. Gronk retires. You lose O.J. Howard to free agency. He's not the Buffalo Bills. It's not as if O.J. Howard was involved in the offense, but... Cameron Braid is going to get more volume. He's going to get more targets with him pretty much being the more reliable option that they have at that position at the moment. So I think that this offense is still going to be amongst the best when it comes to throwing the football. I have them at number five. The Minnesota Vikings come in at number four for me. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on the Vikings offense. And the main reason for that is because a lot of people in the media have this narrative about Kirk Cousins being overrated. He's not a great quarterback. When actually Kirk Cousins balled out last season. As a matter of fact, 2021 was 
probably the best season that Kirk Cousins ever had in his NFL career if you're looking at it from a efficiency standpoint. He threw for 4,221 passing yards, 33 touchdowns to only seven interceptions, and completed 66.3% of his passes. Now, I think that he's going to get elevated by their new head coach and Kevin O'Connell, who comes from that Sean McVay coaching tree. And so far, it's been pretty successful. We saw Zach Taylor was just in the Super Bowl not too long ago with Cincinnati. He comes from McVay's coaching tree. And I think that Kevin O'Connell is going to be the next in line to be able to elevate his quarterback in a sense. Because if you listen to Justin Jefferson, who appeared on a episode a couple of days ago of NFL Total Access, he said that our offensive style is not going to be run first anymore. Just us being able to put different people in different positions and distribute the ball Really, it's what's going to change. So you can expect Justin Jefferson to probably have a crazy season. He probably could end up having a season where he goes for maybe 17, 1800 yards. We also can't forget about Adam Thielen and then KJ Osborne, who kind of had a little bit of a breakout season in 2021. He's probably going to end up being really good as well. But the person that I am the most excited to watch on this Minnesota Vikings offense this season is tied in Irv Smith. Now, Irv Smith has been on Minnesota's roster for a while, out of Alabama. And yet, we haven't really seen his skill set really probably utilized with the previous coaching staff. So, I'm really hoping that Kevin O'Connell finds a way to get Irv Smith involved because he has a lot of talent. He has great speed. I think that if Irv Smith can really get going, that can really bring a added dimension to this offense. And I think that it will happen because anytime you have an offense that has a great tight end, you couple that with a really good wide receiving core, that just makes your offense doggone near unguardable. Now, we already know what Dalvin Cook is going to do in the run game department, but this ranking is solely based off passing offenses and I think that Minnesota is going to have a top five passing attack this season like I said a lot of people are stuck with this narrative that Kirk Cousins is just this average slightly above average quarterback but with Kevin O'Connell expect him to be able to take Kirk Cousins game to the next level and I wouldn't be surprised if we end up hearing Kirk Cousins in the conversation for being a top 10 quarterback during the middle portion of this season because you remember what happened when Matthew Stafford got traded from Detroit to the LA Rams right he ended up going from a afterthought or Matthew Stafford to Matthew Stafford a top 10 QB so all it really takes is the right coach with the right scheme I think that Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell are going to hit it off. And I think that we could see Kirk Cousins playing some of the best football that he ever has had played during his career in Minnesota. The LA Chargers come in at number three. This offense last year really got things rolling. Their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up hearing his name and head coaching discussions sooner rather than later. Depending on how successful the Chargers 2022 campaign is as a whole. But for right now, I think he's definitely one of the more underrated offensive coordinators in the league. You look at the second year elevation that we saw from Justin Herbert last season. Over 5,000 yards passing. The only knock on him is that 
you kind of would like to lower the turnovers a little bit. He had 15 interceptions. Now, if he can get that down, I think that he could end up being in the MVP conversation this year. Then you have a really good group of wide receivers. You have Keenan Allen, which I've already gave Durant several times, but I'm going to say it again. Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver. I cannot understand for the life of me why people do not view Keenan Allen as a top 10 wide receiver. If you talk to any NFL head coach or any player in the league right now and you tell them to name their top 10 wide receivers right now, 2022, all of them are going to have Keenan Allen. So I don't understand how players and coaches view Keenan Allen as a top 10 wide out, but yet people in the NFL media and fans view him as overrated. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But you have Mike Williams coming off a career year. He's probably one of the best deep threats in the NFL. And he doesn't have to do it with speed. He's a really good 50-50 ball. He's somebody that you just throw it up to. He can go get it. Like, Mike Williams made so many fantastic catches that didn't get a lot of attention that they deserve. There were so many catches that Mike Williams made last year that should have made SportsCenter's top 10 plays. Really. Then you have Joshua Palmer, who many Chargers fans feel could be in for a breakout season. You also have Jalen Guyton, who is more there for speed. And then we also have to count Austin Eckler into the mix just because he's a running back, but he also contributes a lot into the passing game. Then they added tight end Gerald Everett. But another reason why I think the Chargers are going to have one of the best passing attacks this season is because they also continue to improve the offensive line. They recently drafted offensive guard Zion Nelson, and now their offensive line is all but set. The only thing they need now is a legitimate starting right tackle. And if they can get the right tackle situation figured out, it's no reason why they can't be no higher than third on this list. They potentially could end up having the best offense in the NFL this season, but with the right tackle situation, don't really know how that's going to pan out. So that's kind of why they come in at number three on my list, but this still should be one of the top three best passing attacks in the NFL this season. The Los Angeles Chargers, we're number three. We stay in L.A., the LA Rams are my first to last team before we get to number one. You look at the Rams last season. Their offense was fantastic. But they did have a cold stretch late in the year because Matthew Stafford ended up having the turnover bug. But then they started to get things figured out during the playoffs. But for Matthew Stafford, he had a really fantastic season. He probably could have been in the MVP discussion. I'm so happy for Matthew Stafford that now people are starting to actually realize how good this guy actually is because he had so many haters when he was playing for the Detroit Lions and I always told people it's always about the organization and where you go depending on where you go if you go to a losing organization you don't win a lot of games if you're a good quarterback it doesn't matter because people are still going to fault you because a lot of people think that the quarterback position is the end-all be-all and the win-loss record is reflection on the quarterback which is not true it's a little bit of a reflection on the quarterback because if you have a good quarterback, you're able to win a couple more games. But overall, you still have to have a good team. So I'm happy that Matthew Stafford balled out. He did what he was supposed to do. He finally won the Super Bowl. And now with the fact that this wide receiving core got even better, you added Allen Robinson and for agency. He's one of the better wide receivers that we have in the NFL. Sean McVay was incredibly 
enthusiastic about Allen Robinson. I was hearing him talking about him on the I Am Athlete podcast, I believe, and they were talking about the decision to bring him in. Basically, he likes the fact that he's really good outside of the numbers, which is a good strength of Matthew Stafford when it comes to throwing the football, and he has a really strong arm, and he's also really fantastic throwing the football outside of the numbers in his own right. So when you con when you Conjure that up with the fact that you have a guy, Allen Robinson, who can go ahead and win those 50-50 ball matchups. I think that it's a match made in heaven for Matthew Stafford. And really, you look at Tutu Atwell, I think he could have a little bit of a bigger role in the offense this year. You also have Cooper Cup coming off a career year. Then you have Van Jefferson as well, who a lot of people overlook. Last season, it was easy to overlook Van Jefferson because you had Robert Woods before he got injured. You had Cooper Cup going off, and then you signed OBJ. But Van Jefferson is kind of an underrated piece in this offense. Now, there is a strong possibility that OBJ could return to the LA Rams. Sean McVay already said that the Rams would love to have him back, but we probably have to wait closer to the middle portion of the season around October. It's where many people expect OBJ to start getting back healthy, and that's probably where we might end up seeing him sign with the Rams coming back. And I would love to see OBJ back with this Rams offense because if he ends up coming back, then I think the Rams probably will have the best passing attack in the NFL. So you have the offensive line concerns. Some people think that the Rams offense may take a step back because Andrew Withworth finally retired, finally. And you lost Austin Corbett who signed with the Carolina Panthers. But the offensive line is still going to be a top 10 unit. There are some guys that they have stepping up that they have a lot of confidence in, that they have given a lot of praise to, such as their left tackle. So I think that offensive line should pick up from where it left off last year, and it possibly could be a little bit better in a sense. So this offense, to me, is the second-best offense when it comes to throwing the football going into the 2022 NFL season. Before I give you guys my number one passing offense for this season, make sure that you guys go ahead, check out the JT Sports Podcast. I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but all of the videos that are uploaded on the channel are segments from the JT Sports Podcast. If you want to listen to the whole entire podcast in its entirety, check out the JT Sports Podcast. It's available on every single podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. Make sure you guys go ahead and check it out. Number one, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, a lot of people think that I'm deriding Cincinnati this year, but I really believe that Cincinnati is going to have the best offense in the NFL this year, and I possibly think that this could be a record-setting offense. Joe Burrow balled out last season. Behind the worst or one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, he took them to the Super Bowl. Now, imagine the damage that he's going to do this season. Now that the fact that he has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL is crazy. They went from the worst to the best in just a span of one offseason. You already have Jonah Williams at left tackle. He was your best offensive lineman last season. You have Ted Karras at center. You signed offensive guard Alex Kappa. He's going to be starting at right guard. And you brought in Lael Collins, who's going to be starting at right tackle for you. Really, the only concern that I probably have is left guard Carmen Jackson. But outside of him, 
This is one of the best off the lines in the league. Top five, no worse than top ten. And you couple that with the fact that you still have all your three starting wide receivers from last year. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. And think about this. Jamar Chase had the kind of season he had last year. He was only a rookie. That's scary. That's scary, people. He's only going to get better. If he had the kind of season he had as a rookie, imagine what he's going to do in year two. And with the fact that Joe Burrow has one of the best off the lines in the NFL, it's going to be scary, man. For a lot of you people who are not on the Cincinnati Bengals bandwagon, it's not too late to grab a ticket, ladies and gentlemen, because I promise you, this is going to be an offense that's going to set a lot of records. I think they will. I think that Joe Burrow potentially could end up winning MVP. I think that they're going to have the best passing attack in the NFL. I think that from a talent standpoint, they have the most talented offense in the NFL. You have the best wide receiving core in the NFL. Not up for debate because all three of these wide receivers would be your number one on the majority of teams. Okay? You also have Joe Mixon in the backfield. So this offense is going to be phenomenal, but from purely throwing the football, this offense is going to be a beauty to watch people. So these are my top five passing offenses going into the 2022 NFL season. Let me know how you guys feel about this list. Who's too high? Who's too low? Who did I leave out? Who should have been on this list? Let me know. Call me an idiot down in the comment section down below if you're listening to this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcast, you know, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to it, and let me know your thoughts. Now, the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this episode up, can the Cleveland Browns make it to the postseason with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback? Now, right now, we don't know what's going on with this Deshaun Watson situation. Is he going to be suspended for the whole entire year? Is he going to be suspended for a couple of games? Maybe be able to return at some point during the year? But I have yet to see anybody really talk about how good the Browns potentially could be if Jacoby Brissett has to be the starter. So many people think that the Browns, if Deshaun Watson can't play this year, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. I disagree with that. And remind you that this is coming from a objective, unbiased Pittsburgh Steelers fan. The Browns did a really good job of building up this team, right? I know a lot of people are going to harp on them for the Deshaun Watson situation, But outside of that, they re-signed some of their core players. Denzel Ward is under contract. Miles Garrett is under contract. And the majority of your best players on your roster are all on rookie deals. So by looking at this team from a talent standpoint, this is still one of the most talented teams in the NFL minus quarterback. You have a really good offensive line. Your defense is really talented. So... For the Browns offensively, I don't really think their offense is going to change that much from last season or the season prior. Now, with this John Watson, Kevin Stefanski probably was going to get a little bit more creative. He probably was going to implement a couple of new things, new wrinkles. But with Jacoby Brissett, if he ends up having to start the whole entire season for the Cleveland Browns, or if he even has to keep them afloat for a good duration of the season until Deshaun Watson potentially could return, depending on the length of his suspension, I think that he's going to be able to keep them afloat. Because you guys got to remember that 
Kevin Stefanski keeps things simple. He wants to run the football down your throat until you prove you can stop it. So for Cleveland, even though you don't have Deshaun Watson, you have Jacoby Brissett, who is more than capable of being able to keep you afloat. Okay, he has been a starter in the past. He started for Indianapolis in 2017, 2019, when Andrew Luck decided to abruptly retire. 2019 is probably his best year, and the Colts went 7-8 and eight when he was the starter. He, during that season, completed 60% of his passes through 18 touchdowns to 6 interceptions and threw for 2,942 passing yards. And he also went 2-3 and three when he was starting for the Dolphins in replace of Tua when he was out with his injury. So this is somebody who is good enough to keep you in games. But really for Cleveland, you're going to have to lean on that run game and you're going to have to rely on your defense. Your defense is going to have to play at a top five, almost top 10 level. You remember how the Steelers defense played during 2019 when Big Ben got injured? That's kind of the season that the Browns got to have. The Browns got to have a season where this defense comes in and they just end up dominating opponents. And they definitely have the talent to do so. You have Miles Garrett. You re-signed Jadavion Clowney, who is coming off a bounce-back year where he had nine sacks, a quiet nine sacks. Not too many people know how good Jadavion Clowney was last season. You have arguably the best secondary in the NFL, Denzel Ward. You have John Johnson. At safety, you got Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom at corner. Like, this Browns defense is stacked. Your only concern probably is the linebacker position outside of JOK. So, for Cleveland, this team should be able to stay afloat. Because their schedule, believe it or not, is not all that tough. Your first couple of games of the seasons should be pretty winnable. You have Carolina... On the road, you have to face the New York Jets. So those are two games that you should be able to win. You should be able to go 2-0 before you face Pittsburgh. But you do play them on a short week. However, you do play them at home. Then after that, you go on the road, play the Falcons. So there's a good chance that the Browns, without Deshaun Watson potentially, with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, could start the season out either 3-1 or 4-0 if they end up doing what they are supposed to do and not losing the teams that they have no business losing to. I like the Jets. They're definitely going to be way better than what they were last season, but this is a young team, and the Browns pretty much have a Super Bowl caliber roster that is a quarterback away from getting there. So then you play the Chargers, you play New England, and this is really where things start to heat up for the Browns. Now, let's let's do worst-case scenario, right? Let's say Cleveland ends up dropping the game to Carolina or Pittsburgh, right? And let's say they go into that Chargers matchup, two and two. Okay, now things look a little bit dicey. But if things go how they should, and you end up going three and one, four and no, into that Chargers matchup, you're in a pretty good spot. Because then you got a little bit more room for error. So your next four games, Chargers, Patriots, however you are playing them, both at home. So if you could split and win at least one of those matchups, you're in a good spot because then at that point, you're either at five wins or you're at four wins. And then you play your two other divisional foes, the Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals before you have your bye week early in November. So for the Browns, 
I mean, if you can be at five, six wins at this point, you're in a really good spot. Then you have to play the Dolphins, which is a game that could be pretty tough. Then you play Buffalo. So now you're starting to play some of the better teams in the NFL. And the Browns could end up getting into a really tough stretch during this season. But then the schedule kind of calms down a little bit. You play the Houston Texans on the road in Houston. Then you get to play Cincinnati again. And I definitely think that despite the fact that Cincinnati's offense is going to be fantastic this year, your defense does match up pretty well with Cincinnati's offense on paper. So you should be able to kind of slow them down a little bit compared to the majority of teams that play Cincinnati. Then you play the Ravens again. I don't think the Ravens offense is going to be all that fantastic simply for the fact that we just don't know how much the passing game is going to improve this season under off the coordinator Greg Roman. So I definitely think that that's one reason why I think the Browns can end up splitting with the Baltimore Ravens regardless if Deshaun plays or if he doesn't play then you play New Orleans which New Orleans is going to be a pretty tough team but then you play Washington and Pittsburgh to close out the season both of those two games are going to be on the road so I definitely think that the Browns can pull off eight wins this season without Deshaun Watson now is eight wins good enough to get you into the postseason Definitely not, considering how tough the AFC is going to be. However, best case scenario, right, since you do have a pretty favorable schedule to start the season off, you know, you could possibly be undefeated going into that Chargers matchup. And then if you can at least split all your divisional games, then that's probably what? Two extra wins. So that's six wins there. Then you just have to be able to find a way to you know, survive the second half of your schedule. You got to be able to beat Buffalo or Tampa Bay. You got to be able to win one of those two games. And you also probably have to make sure that you can take care of Washington. So you can do that. You can find yourself around nine, maybe 10 wins. And then if you get to nine wins, then you're definitely in that conversation for that seven seed. And then if you're at 10 wins, then you're definitely going to be Closer a sure thing to getting into the postseason. Now, 10 wins might not be good enough to get a team into the playoffs this year with how tough everything is going to be in this conference. But overall, I think Cleveland, with the fact that they have such a great supporting cast around Jacoby Brissett, they have a great offensive line. You got Amari Cooper. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones. You also have a really good group of running backs. I think that Kevin Stefanski's offense is going to be simple. It's going to be ground and pound. They're going to want to control the time of possession, rely on their defense. And I think that still is a winning formula for Cleveland to get into the playoffs. Because really, even if you have a great team, as long as you have an okay coach, you should be good enough to get into the postseason. Mike Tomlin, if he was able to make it to the playoffs with what the Steelers had to work with last season... It's no reason why Cleveland couldn't potentially pull off the same thing. So let me know how you guys feel about the Cleveland Browns playoff chances with Jacoby Brissett. Can the Browns make it in? I think that there is a better possibility of them getting in than what many people are giving them credit for. Many people are just under this assumption that the Browns are just this dumpster fire if they don't have Deshaun Watson play this year. But they have Jacoby Brissett and they have a really good roster around them. So if they rely on their defense and they can control time possession, I think that they have a really good chance. Now, I don't think it will happen, but I definitely think that it's a better chance of happening than what people give it credit for. If you guys get my drift, but 
I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on every single podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys with another episode shortly.